Amen. All right, we're doing part two of God's supernatural enablement, and we're using Isaiah, chapter, Jeremiah, rather, 33, verse 3, and Psalms 126 as our main text. However, we did start, first of all, by reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 2 and 3, where it reads, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Oh, hallelujah. God is speaking to somebody here. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God. Can I hear an amen? God tells us the reason we will be able to make it through difficult seasons is because he is the Lord our God. And he uses the name Elohim or the name Jehovah, rather the name Yahweh or the name Jehovah, which means God says, I am, I will be all that I will be. Whatever your season, whatever is needed in your season, that's who I will be. And I will take you through. If you go into the rivers, I'll make sure you don't drown. If you go into the fire, I'll make sure the fire doesn't consume you or burn you. If you go into the waters, I'll make sure that you don't drown because I am who I am. I am Yahweh. I am Jehovah. I am the one who is the self-existent one. I'm the eternal one, the unchanged one, the unchanging one. I will be all that I'll ever need to be. Therefore, God says you can expect my intervention. You can expect that I will grant you supernatural enablement. You will look at your life and you will be surprised how you made it through. You'll be shocked how you navigated the season. You will look at where you are and you will realize where you come from had the potential of destroying you. But you were not destroyed because even if you got into the waters, you went through the waters. Even if you got into the fire, you went through the fire. Surely goodness and mercy was following you all the days of your life and the Lord your God was with you. And so God is telling us he'll be with us. And in Jeremiah 33, he says, call unto me. And I will answer you. God says, call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. And in Psalms 126, a psalm of ascent, a psalm of celebration, a psalm of reflecting how far God has brought you. When the children of Israel went over to Jerusalem three times in a year as they went up to the city of the Jerusalem, climbing up the mountain, they would recite the psalm. They would rap the psalm. They would speak it in poetry. They would make it in a song. And they would say, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. They would reflect on how even when God delivered them, it was like a dream. What God had done, it was like a dream. God is going to bring somebody into that season where what God is going to do will seem so unreal. And not be sure if you are awake because God says, I'm going to do that which is like a dream. It says, verse 2, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was filled with singing. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. People will look at you and see what God has done. They will comment, it's only God who has brought them this far. And your mouth will be filled with laughter and God will take your seasons of mourning and he will turn them into seasons of joy. And God will wipe away the tears of yesterday and God will do great things in your life. Can I hear a good amen? Hallelujah. And God says, verse 4, bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams of the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing the seed, shall doubtlessly come again with rejoicing. I see you coming again with rejoicing. Can I hear an amen? So very interestingly, Jeremiah 33 and Psalms 126, you can sort of put them side by side and note that they have the same theme. It's a powerful theme at the core that speaks of a God who restores. It speaks of a God who visits. It speaks of a God who refreshes. Our God is a restoring, refreshing, visiting God. 
And when God visits, that encounter of his visitation brings about transformation. When God visits us, he brings about development. When God visits our lives, anytime he comes with abundant provision. And when God visits, his visits never leaves us the same. It leaves us with laughter in our mouth. It turns away our time of barrenness into a time of fruitfulness. When God visits, it doesn't matter how long we have been going through that time. When God visits, it is the right time. It is the Kairos moment. It is the correct time for God to visit. Can I hear an amen? amen? And so we spoke about the reasons why God visits. I want to go to them quickly and move on. Number one, God visits to confirm his word. God will always confirm his word, whether it is the written word that you're reading, the Bible you're reading, or the word he has spoken to you prophetically. God will always visit to confirm his word. Because God says to Jeremiah, call. In other words, call to me. Use my word. Remind me what I said. He said, I will answer you. God visits to, re- to, to fulfill his promises and to remove barrenness. Number two, God visits to make the impossible possible. When he visited old Sarah, who biologically was barren and unable to be pregnant and could not in any way have a child at her age. But when God visited, he did the impossible. Never lock yourself in a prison of your season. When things are not working out, never ever allow it to come out of your mouth where you declare a specific season of difficulty as your destiny. Your destiny is not your season of difficulty. That is why David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you may be in the valley of the shadow of death, you are walking through. And the reason you are walking through is because God's rod and God's stuff is there to protect you and to keep you and God is there with you. And so when God visits us, he makes the impossible possible. I don't know who you are. You've been going through a difficult season. You've been going through an impossible season. Even you have given up on you. And others have given up on you. But I'm here to tell you, we are entering a season of supernatural visitation. Of God's divine. Oh, do I have people saying amen in the house? Number three, God visits at his set time. It is set time. In other words, never despair because there's no delay or lateness with God. Sometimes we think certain things should have happened earlier. Sometimes we feel like we are timing out. Sometimes we think we are too old, we are too poor, or we are too whatever. But when God visits, he visits at his perfect time. He is never early, he is never late, and when he visits, all his plan, all his purpose will be fulfilled. It doesn't matter how long it takes, because God visits at his set time. And when God visits, that is the time. It doesn't matter how many years you think time has lapsed, that is the time. When God visits, he resets time to make it the right time and the correct time and the time of visitation. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Number four, when God visits, he comes to change our mood. Abraham and Sarah, who every day were faced with barrenness, and they were becoming sad because it looked like it's not happening. Looks like you're not getting a job, or you're not getting married, or your business is not taking off, or your ministry is not working. It looks like you're not getting your promotion. It looks like your home is not what it is. It looks like God's not answering your prayers. But I'm here to tell you that God's going to change your mood. And after all hope had gone, And after they had even stopped thinking about it, and Sarah had totally given up on it, God visits. And when God visits, he says, I'm going to give you a son. Call him Isaac. Call him laughter. Because when you heard what I said, you laughed. Your laugh was not a laugh of faith. It was a laugh of saying, are you sure? It was a laugh of saying, and God says, no, I'm telling away. It is the right time. And when I visit, I'm going to give you laughter. I see God giving somebody laughter in the house. God changing your mood. God changing you from a sorrowful, moon person to somebody who is filled with joy. Oh, I see somebody filled with the joy of the Lord. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. And God gives us joy and gives us strength. Number five, when God visits, I love this one. He comes because he has seen our pain. And he has come to act on our behalf. In Exodus 4, 31, 
The people remarked when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and had looked upon the affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. People will look at you and they will see that God has visited you. Oh yeah. And God has visited you in your pain. And God has come your way because he has seen your pain. When you are doing all there is to do and you are trusting God and living by his word and still you are going through pain, God is aware of it. When you are sowing good seeds and you are doing what's good and you are showing love to other people, but that's not what you're getting in return, God sees your effort. When you're working hard and giving it your best and you're loyal and faithful, but in return, they overlook you, they scandalize you and they speak bad about you. Don't worry. Your reward will not come from men. It will not come from the east or from the west. It is God who will give you your reward and it is God who promotes you. God is aware. A visitation from God breaks these long seasons of pain. Some of you, you've been through pain for too long. I want to tell you today, your days of pain are about to be sent an, a, an announcement that the expiry date has come. And a new season is going to begin. Because when God visits you, he wants you to know you are not left alone. He wants you to know he is not oblivious to your pain. He wants you to know he is concerned about you. He wants you to know he is aware of you. He wants you to know his power is revealed on your behalf. And so God visits. Number six, when God visits, he visits to bring divine help and divine provision. In Ruth chapter one, it reads, then Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the country of Moab. Why? For she had heard that in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Ah, oh, some of you, God is about to visit you. He's going to break the long seasons of famine. He's going to visit you. Sometimes we don't only go through the famine of food. But we may go through famine in our careers, famine in our relationships. We may go through famine in our efforts. It's a time of dryness. It's a time when nothing is growing. It's a time where even with all the hard work you put, nothing is coming back. But I'm here to tell you, your labor in the Lord has not been in vain. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. God is about to visit somebody. I said, God is about to visit somebody. I said, God is about to visit somebody. God is about to visit somebody. And the rumor of God's goodness will reach those in your vicinity and those in your surrounding and those in your car. See? They will know that you look like you are an estranged widow, but God has come to visit you. And that the visitation of God has impacted you personally. And God has brought restoration and brought back his inheritance in your life. Leads me to my seventh point. When God visits, he brings restoration of inheritance and homecoming. When God visits, he restores. You know what I like? I was explaining it to people in the first service. You see, God's concept of time is so different to our concept of time. You know, you and I, we live in time, and I'm going to come to that, but I'll say it now. We live within the confines of time. So, days pass, weeks pass, you know, hours pass, minutes pass. So, when, when time has passed, we feel like whatever we were believing for has passed, you see. See, I prayed last week. Now it's a week later, so it means it was not answered. So, it means it's not coming. It means it has passed. Alright? They were supposed to give me my promotion two weeks ago. They didn't. Right? They shortlisted me, but they're not phoning me anymore. Now, when I phone them, they say, don't phone us, we will phone you. Anybody who has ever been in that situation. And now because of that, you've concluded that it's not going to happen. You see, when God speaks, he, he speaks in the present. God is not confined to time. He speaks in the now. That's why sometimes we get confused when God gives us a promise because he says to Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. But he's speaking to a guy who doesn't have a child. And yet he is speaking in the past tense. I have made you a father of many nations. Because God lives in an eternal now. I can say how to explain it. God lives in eternity. In eternity, uh, it's only one eternal moment that you live in. There's no yesterday. There's no tomorrow. It is just one eternal now. 
So when God is in eternity, God sees the past, God sees the present, God sees the future all in one. So how Abu, why he speaks in that context and he confuses us human beings who are locked within the confines of time. Because when he speaks to me today, God says, I spoke to them. When he spoke to me on Monday at 3 o'clock, God just says, no, I spoke to them. I have made you a father of many nations. And you say, no, he told me that last week. God says, no, I just said, I have made you a father of many nations. And you say, no, but it's three years ago. God says, hi, Connor, I have made you a father of many nations. Because for me, there's only one eternal now. Can I hear a good amen? And so there comes those times then when God activates his miraculous power and he steps into your time. He steps into your confinement. He steps into your space. He steps into what you understand, what you comprehend as a mortal being, as a limited person. And when he steps in that, he does everything in a moment of time. Like what he could have done when you thought three weeks ago. He takes everything in the past that has gone wrong and he pulls it to the present and he changes it and transforms it because he's the kind of God who does that. When God visits, he brings restoration. And so don't be surprised when God does in a year what you thought should have happened in the last 10 years. Uh, come on, don't be surprised when God does in a week what you thought is supposed to happen in a month's time. Because with God, the matter of time is not a matter that concerns Him. The matter of time is when God visits is the right time. Even if the lights are going on, it's still the right time. And we keep on preaching is the right time. Yeah. Yeah. When God visits, he brings about restoration. And seasons of restorations are the best ones. God says, I will restore to you. The years. Ah, I, I, I will restore to you the years. The years, the years, the years. The years, year in and year out, you thought, no, Nakoyatsamaya. Year in and year out, you are quoting, it's been 10 years, it's been 5 years, it's been 15 years. God says, Ungawari, I'm going to go back to those years and I'm going to restore, restore, I'm going to bring them back. I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten, that the canker women eaten. It doesn't matter what kind of tragedy, what type of problem, even if it was eaten, even if it doesn't exist anymore, even if there's no trace of it, you have forgotten about the vision, you have forgotten about what you're believing God for. I'm going to go back and I'm going to bring it back. Somebody say, restore. God says, I will restore. The years that the locusts are eating. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you in a nice way. When God visits, it's the right time. He's never late. He's never early. He's always on time. Tell three people, God is always on time. Tell them, three, three people, God is always on time. So when God visited Judah... It broke the long seasons of exile and barrenness. And God restored them. So in Jeremiah 29.10, it says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you. He only uses 70 years to help mortal beings understand. But to him, 70 years is nothing. Because he lives in one eternal now. He says, after 70 years, I'll visit you. And he says, and I will perform my good word towards you. God's word never gets stale. His word is incorruptible. If God has given a promise, I boldly. If God has given a promise, it doesn't time out. If God has given a promise, I hope it best before 3rd of August 2022. It remains fresh as fresh could be when he speaks it. It remains the same. Am I, am I talking to somebody? God's word. When God comes your way, it's always the right time. So divine visitation and divine enablement, therefore, is something we must expect. We must live as a people of expectation. We must understand that divine enablement and divine visitation is not an exception. It is just the way God does things. Therefore, every day in your life, live with a sense of expectation. I don't know about you, but every day I'm expecting God to do something good in my life. Can I hear a good amen in the house? 
Can I hear a powerful amen in my life? Can I hear a powerful amen in my life? So if, if, if I'm to expect a visitation and divine enablement, if that is just the way God rolls, like you young people say, that's how they roll, man. That's the way God rolls. How do I then position myself to be the recipient of God's divine enablement? Because you see, oftentimes God is working. Problem core, we are in the wrong space. Listen what God says to the prophet. He says to the prophet, I'm going to give you food. I'm going to visit. Because you are in a time of barrenness. You discourage. You are having all kinds of issues. I'm going to sort you out, bro. <laughs> but I want you to go to the brook of Cherith. And I want you to wait there. Because I'm going to send a bird that is a predator. I'm going to send a bird that's a scavenger. Mara, because Namudimu are involved in this miracle working process, this bird is going to change in character. God can supply your need through an unlikely source. Uh, unexpected source. I'm going to take a bird that's supposed to eat up and scavenge, yet this bird will be a supplier. I'm going to send the raven, and it's going to meet you there. So, the key to you Connecting with my resource is to be in the right spot. You've got to be in the right position. Because if you're not in the right position, the bird will go somewhere. I will be faithful in what I'm giving. I will do what I always will do. But because you'll be out of position, you will miss what rightfully belongs to you. And many people are out of position. God's been answering your prayers. Yeah. Mara, you've been out of position. So we want to get you back into position. We're going to have Siri talk to us and say, recalculate it. We're going to get you back to position so that you're in there. So here we go. Number one. Number one. How do I position myself? Number one. Number one. The first way to position yourself is to understand God's timing. You must always, listen to me, Look out for God's timing. God always works with timing. There are times when God leads you and guides you into certain situations and when you do what he tells you to do at that time, then you are going to meet with a miracle. Many people, they don't listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And they just never know God's timing. There are times when you must sow. And you're in a season of sowing. You shouldn't be expecting anything at that time. So there are people who when they're in a time of sowing, they expect reaping. And because they're not reaping, they stop sowing. Mara God says, no, don't get tired of sowing. <laughs> are you not listening to me? There are times as I know in our church, there's times... For these 39 years, I can tell you as well, I can, I write, I've written a book on pastoring, I'm going to write more, I'm teaching pastors on, on leading a church. This is one of the things I tell them, I say, listen to me, do all that you are supposed to do, scripturally, biblically, be faithful, be loyal, Mara, be sensitive to the season. There are, there are seasons of foundation laying. It's not the season of Reaping fruit. It's not the season of reward. You are laying foundation. When, when you build, there's a time when you have to dig deep and go underground. When we are building this church, I always use this as an, ex, an ex example. I don't know how many of you know that this building is sitting on, I think it's 200 and something piles. It's sitting on these legs. You know what they had? They had to drill down holes that are six meters in diameter six meters deep, right? And they poured, they put in steel and poured concrete. I used to come and watch so that 
the foundation of this building sits on those legs because this is clay soil here. The soil moves. So it has to have these legs that go right down to sit on it so that it doesn't crack. And it can carry the big structure. So the problem is at that time, people heard we were building. And, and, and we, we had spent three million rands on piling. So when they did the piles, three million rands later, all we had on this side was pieces of steel that are coming out of the ground. Everything was unseen. Everything was underground. Those who don't know say nothing is going on. Ah, you're not hearing me. Those who are uninitiated, who don't, who don't understand the season, that come here and they say, Sis, we don't go to a Akason. Then I try to explain to them. Why? Because they don't understand the season. Because there are seasons, there are seasons that are expensive seasons. You work hard, you work long, but it all goes underground. You've done everything, but there's nothing to show. There's nothing outward that you can show. Mara, everything that cannot be seen, that cannot be shown, serves as the balancer and the sustainer of everything that you see. This building, as it stands up tall and strong, it's sitting on something. Some of you, you haven't understood your seasons. When you're in that season where you are building foundation, since so many people fail in business, you're wanting the first year to start making profit. You're not. You're not. You are still doing piling. In fact, those of you who understand what pioneering is, oftentimes, even your own money, pocket money, goes into the business. It is not the time to buy a Lamborghini. Can I go out combat day? See? It's not time for you to go and rent an expensive office building in Senton. It's time to operate from your garage. Oh, oh somebody shout to the Lord. I said, you got to understand the seasons. Many people don't understand the seasons, so they think God is not at work. But God is at work. It's just that you are in that season. And that season is necessary. But watch this. If you've gone through a long season, if you've watched some of the plantations, if you down, drive down to Mpumalang, huh? and you're going to Emalathe, right, and you go over to Whitbank, not Whitbank, uh, uh, Mpumalanga, Koko, where, where? Yeah? White River, yeah, White River direction. If you drive down those plantations, I don't know, I want you to observe next time. What those farmers did is this. They have all these big acres of land, and most of them are farming in, uh, I don't know what type of trees they are, but it's for timber. Timber. Now, watch. I know because I've driven that road for many years now. Back then, years ago, when you drove down that, you saw these little trees, plants, very small. Right? Very small. One there, one there, and it's like they kind of sink the plantation. They plant this one one year, plant this one another year, plant this one another year. And they wait for 10 years, 15 years before they have the first harvest. This will help you. And in those 15 years, there's no reward. All you have is hard work and sweat. All you have is having to deal with the weather, having to deal with the pests, having to water. It's very expensive. But then, when that season is over, when the first crop comes, you, you move into a different season. But because they staggered their planting. They, they knew how to, to do 
different things at different times. So that when the season of fruitfulness starts, when they are reaping this side, they are planting that side. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying? And then they get to a point where now, it's like all these plants start maturing. By the time they get to the last one, the other one has started all over again. Oh, I see you going into that season in Jesus' name. Pastor, I know I'm diverting. This is where people don't understand the principle of tithing and giving. What you give today might not bear fruit tomorrow. Same with prayer. The prayers you pray today may not be answered tomorrow. So what do you do? You keep praying. You keep giving. Because the fruit you are reaping now is not from what you planted yesterday. Oh, you're not hearing me, but that's what you planted years ago. So those who don't understand, once they start reaping, they stop sowing. They stop praying. They stop giving. They stop going to church because they are looking at the harvest and they think they have arrived, but they don't understand you haven't arrived. You have just started. Can I hear a good amen here in the house? So you got to understand the seasons and the times because if you don't understand the season and the times, you will not know how to navigate your way and bring yourself into a space where you can be able to reap a harvest here and reap a harvest here and reap a harvest here. I mean, even in investments, when you listen to finance people, blah, 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 don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't invest in one company. Don't invest in one commodity. Even in business, those of you who are business people, blah, 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 don't just do one kind of business. You know, and don't just sell fruit, sell something else. Do this, do this, do this. Why? Because each of these things that you do has its own season of fruitfulness. Can I share some? Can I, can I go deeper? I thought you said go deeper. Hey, Pastor Don, how are you? How are you? Have you been sitting behind me all the time? You are not saying amen enough. <laughs> amen. Let me share something with you, Pastor Don, that I shared in the first episode, and it really came by inspiration, and I think this will help you. This will really help you. You see, many people don't understand this concept of seasons. And when they start coming into a season of fruitfulness, they stop doing what's right. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. In Jesus, you reap if you faint not. Right? The Bible tells us in Zechariah 10, verse 1, ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So it's a time of fruitfulness. It's a time of visitation. But even if God is visiting you, it says still pray. Ask you for the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So it's raining, but you must still ask for rain. Let me try the people this time. Let me try. Let's it's, it's raining. Now, let me tell you the significance of that verse. It's written to a people who were nomadic people. Farmers who understood the language spoken. Right? They knew as farmers, they depend very much on rain. And they had two seasons when it would rain and two types of rain seasons that were critical to the crop. Number one, it was what they call the early rains, what we call the spring rains. It should be coming now in September. Weathers have changed so much. But we know now in September, November, it should be raining. Why? Because you can almost see the vegetation is ready. It's getting green. But it's dry. So you need what? The spring rains. What do the spring rains do? Their function is to, to prepare the soil so that it can be planted into, is to prepare the soil and make it soft again. So those are the early rains. So when early rains fall, they would fall in enough proportions, not too much, not too little, to keep the soil moist. Then the farmers plant, right? So if you plant now in September with many crops, the crops come into maturity around March next year then we would have what they call the latter rain. So it would rain in March. Why? To bring the crop into maturity and make it ready for harvest. So these two seasons were important. Right? It had to rain, the early rain, 
and the latter rain, or what they call in Jewel, the former rain and the latter rain. Are you, are you with me, everybody, right? So, so the prophet says, ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. It's, 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 it's the latter rain is raining, but still ask for rain in that time. Then it says, so the Lord will make bright clouds and he will give them showers of rain. Oh, they've got it here. And it's like, I Bible. To everyone grass in the field. One translation says, and the Lord will make heavy rain torrents. Instead of God bringing showers, in response to your prayer, he, instead of God just bringing rain, rather, just uh, scattered thunder showers, God will bring heavy rain torrents. In other words, God will increase the amount of rain in response to your praying. And he will give them showers of rain and everyone grass in the field. Why? Because this is the point. God doesn't know the word enough. You know, son, this, was, this, was a, this was a revelation that revolutionized my life. When I saw this truth, it changed me. God doesn't use the word enough. God knows more than enough. So let me teach you. Let me teach you. So it means there's no telling how far God wants to take you in what you're doing. When you've had one crop, God says, that's not enough. I want to give you more than enough. So when you understand that, even in finance, God wants to give you more than enough. Even in church planting, God wants to give you more than enough. In everything, God wants to give you more than enough. Why does he want to give you more than enough? Because that's his character. But also because he wants to move you into a level that has always been his design and his plan for you. Mamela, when he meets Abraham, doesn't have a child, nothing is working for him, he says to him, come out of your country, come out of your land, right? He says, I will make you. That's number one. So God calls you out, gets you saved, gets you changed, and makes you. If you let God make you, shape you, if you let his word mold you, if you live by it, he says, I will, I will, I will, I will make you. Then he says, I will bless you. So in other words, I'm not going to bless before you are made. Because if you would to bless before you are made, you will not know how to handle the bless. <laughs> if I bless you because before you are made, you will worship the blessing and walk away from the one who has made you. I will make you and I will bless you. So God blesses you, gives you whatever he, he gives you. But then he, then he shifts it to another level. Murujin Tova. He says, and I will make you a blessing. Yeah. Ah, you're not hearing me. So, so God says, ah, 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 I will bless you so that you have so much for yourself, enough for yourself, but I'm going to give you more than you know what to do with. And if you understand my nature, when I give you a lot, I don't want you to squander it on you. I don't want you to fall in love with it. I want you to take what I give you and give others and become a blessing. Because the highest level of being a Christian is not being blessed, it's being a blessing. And once we can reach that level where we are a blessing and we live beyond ourselves and we don't fall in love with the blessing and we are aware of the needs around us, God can trust us with more, more, more. And because he knows we won't fall in love with it. The problem with many people, once God starts giving them, they squander it on themselves. And they fall in love with it. God says, no, I don't want you to fall in love with it. I want you to have enough for yourself. Mara, I'm going to give you more than you can handle so instead of building a castle for you, give it away to others and bless others. Listen, it says to Abraham, Abraham eh? not only will I give you a son, which is for you, but I will make you a father of many nations. Listen, the highest level of living 
is one you don't live for you. It's when you live to be a blessing for others. But the process is God must first make you. Teach you not to be stingy. Teach you not to use it on you. Teach you not to worship you. It teach you and once God can make you then says okay then I can bless you and because I know when I bless you you're not going to be taken over by it you're not going to be funny when I bless you you're not going to stop praying you're not going to stop coming to church you're not going to stop worshiping me then I will take you even further after I have blessed you and I've given you I'm going to give you more than you can handle and you can become a blessing to others and I was telling them in the early service this is basically what I got to understand as a minister see starting in a classroom 35 people having church having a local church, then God blesses us, have more churches. But now, now not only do I lead the church and lead our churches here, I'm traveling our country, helping other leaders, showing them how to run a prevailing church, being a blessing. Barcelona, that's the highest form of living. Come on, somebody, that is the highest form of living. When you can show others and you can be a blessing to others, it stops being about you. It's about others. It's about the destiny of a nation. I see God raising you in your family to be that one who is going to be a blessing. Can I hear a shout in the house? But it starts all because of the seasons that God brings us into. And that brings us to the end of our message today. Give the Lord a big hand for his wedding. Come on, stand on your feet and give the Lord a big shout. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you are saying, I want to be a blessing to other people? Yeah. Pazalana, can I just put your hands down? You know, I was just thinking in the morning service, just imagine if God can entrust some of us with resources to build our communities. For me, in my area, I've got Prevailing Church Network. It's a network of ministers that have chosen to let me mentor them and lead them. Spend time with them. I bring them to a church to come and learn, give them lessons, travel with them. I go to their churches and preach. I sit down with their leadership, teach them leadership. I do that in our country, do it in other parts of the world. And once you get to that level, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a different level altogether. Because that's the nature of God in the first place. He's a giver. Jesus himself, he came to give his life as a ransom. And this is what I'm praying for in our communities. You see, the reality is this, Barcelona. All of us have come from a different, difficult background where we've had to scramble for the little that's there. And it's historical and it's unfortunate. Unfortunately, that type of setup can affect you such that when you get anything, you grab hold of it so tight that you don't want to share it with anybody else. And when you get one blessing, you can hold on it so tight that you think that's all there is to it. God says, mm-mm. I, just, I don't want to give you one business. I want to give you chain stores. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to give you one church. I want to give you a thousand and more churches. But the secret to that is to be able to have a hand that's open. That doesn't hold on for dear life. That's where you learn to be generous and give. Yeah. Show others how to do it. I know why some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Because in God's kingdom, you can't outgive God. You can't do more that God can respond in kind towards you. Test him if you want. Babu in tithing says, try me, prove me. See if I will not open the, you can't outgive me. And I pray in our communities that God will raise some of you to be those kind of women and those kind of men that will live at the highest level of Christianity. 
which is to give. You know, when I wrote the book, even if several copies were bought, I've given away so many. Just give. Give, 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 give. There's just something about that. Because you, 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 you activate that cycle of, of fruitfulness where you are staggering the fruitfulness. Because what you do here might bear fruit 30 years later. What you do here may bear fruit two years later. So you, you want to stagger it. So that every time you're in a season of fruitfulness, and the good thing is when fruitfulness comes, you don't squander it, you start sowing it. Because the Bible says God gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. God wants to, God wants to elevate you into a season of more than enough. But when you have more than enough, you are just a normal person who comes to church. You don't... How can you look at You stop coming to church because why? You, 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 no, 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 no. You, you have them. You have several of them at your house. You are living in a beautiful house. Mara, because your perspective is right. You don't worship the blessing. You worship God. You still come to church. You still come and worship. And, 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 and when we sing in the front, you come and sing in the front, Mon. Load it. Maria singing in the front. And you how jumpy is in it? What do you say in English? How jumpy? Yeah, you are how jumpy is in it. But you are the most generous person you can ever meet. I prophesy that over your life. I said, I see you. I see you. I see God bringing a new season. I see God changing the season. I see God stepping into your season and introducing a new season. If you believe that, shout amen. I see God doing something in your life. Raise your hands to the Lord. Just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now as you thank him for the word. The anointing of God is in this house. Let that anointing permeate you. Fill you to overflowing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. There's an anointing that is changing seasons. Changing seasons. Moving us away from barrenness. Moving us away from seasons of difficulty. That's right. Rabba laba sekar Mamaliala revere braka noskela baria konomana. Oh, ngresa korodea baba. Mama mama ngresa kristele bahayeli. Yela manongre. Yela manongre. Mangre gazigari de braga bedea noskrebada. Skrebada. Maria nongre sokor bede braba laba de mama. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Change of season. Change of season. Change of season in your home. Change of season in your life. Change of season in your career. Change of season in the ministry. Change of season in your business. Oh, I see God bringing you into that new season. Oh, I see God restoring, 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 going back to the years that have been lost. Oh yes, Satara Bakre. Oh yes, Amakotari Anunse. Evere Sekarmana Halebodi Anunse Mragalagada. Brahma Mahamangore Nengre Gedebre Gadabaridea Bosakalada. Ah, Yakana Mona Monia Nomrande Lema Namrandangabala Gazia Nose. I see God bringing laughter where there was pain and sorrow. Where there was discouragement. I see God bringing back to life vision that had died. Vision that had been put on the shelf. I see God opening your eyes to see the season that you are in. Oh, Oh, 
I feel the Holy Ghost coming upon people's lives. Don't take it lightly. Let that power fill your life. Let the Holy Ghost rest upon you. Let God empower you for this change of season. Let God fill it to overflowing and give you a mind that has insight, knowledge, understanding. Even as we pray, God is initiating a new season. Even as you're praying in the spirit, God is taking that prayer. God is taking that prayer. God is taking those words that come from the Holy Ghost, that come from the Holy Spirit. And God is bringing about a new season. Like God spoke to Sarah and said, next year this time, next year this time, next year this time, next year this time, Brakarbega Bra Karbeka, Bra Karbeka, Bra Karbeka, Rambo, Kendo, Rendo, Sendo, Rashto, Rabalaba, 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 Skrebalaba, Chitra, Trapalaba, Grekar, Grekar, Manuhu, Nenskunamon, Jangle, Gadeskada, Dekadeskada, Dekadeskada, Gringo, Rambo, Gendu, Rendo, Skandaradea. Rabba Gordego, Brangandemba, Brangambanga, Mambanginde, Mambangondo, Mambangonsendo, Lenson Trampaletese, Grimpampor Degele, E Gascatoro Deaba, Abrabadabra, Mama, 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 Mama.